Hi, and welcome to the Airline Weekly Lounge. I'm Edward Russell, your host this week, and I'm joined with my colleague, Madhu Unikrishnan. We're going to talk about uh, U.S. airline earnings, some of the uh, travel restrictions that aren't going away anytime soon, and then uh, a bit of a look forward to what we might expect from Boeing. We hope, thank you for listening this week, and we hope that you'll subscribe to Airline Weekly. Uh, we're out every Monday, and then we also have stories on a daily basis. Thank you. Hey, Madhu, how are you doing today? Good, Ned. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. This is, you know, we're well into second quarter earnings season. You know, we've had the the big four U.S. airlines have gone in the last week, and we're starting to get some some guidance, at least to the U.S. recovery and uh, any potential threats thereof. So it's it's been a busy week. So yeah, tell us a bit about earnings. Now I was last out last week. Of course, I kept an eye on things, but uh, I was out last week, so you covered it all. Tell us about what 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 do we know so far? Well, we know that a lot of airlines expect to a lot of U.S. carriers expect to be turning a profit in uh, if not in the third quarter in the second half. Uh, Delta, United, Alaska, and Southwest. You know that's that's the, and when I say turning a profit, that's without payroll support from the federal government. So that's hmm. that's a really good sign on on the recovery. Now, uh, it's not universal. American and uh, JetBlue do not uh, or haven't provided any guidance to, to returning a profitability. So that's um, that is not as positive. But uh, the, the story in the U.S. is good. Demand is coming back. Business travelers are still expected to return in the fall. And it's, it's mostly a positive story. It's uh, which which is actually somewhat surprising given the the current uh, COVID-19 Delta variant uh, situation. Yeah, so which... tell me, I mean, sorry, Ned, I, you listened to all the earnings calls last week. Um, what Did anyone mention anything about the Delta variant? Yeah, we had a number of executives mentioned it. And across the board, everyone said that they have seen no impact on bookings. Huh. Now, the, the big thing is, is, of course, we saw this a year and a half ago when COVID-19 first emerged and there was no impact on bookings. And then a week later, flights are being cut, you know, 25% schedules are being cut 25% or more. So it's hard to say that that their comments this week are going to or last week are going to hold up this week. But it's striking because the the current there's a lot of concern in the broader market, uh, especially in the stock market and, and amongst public health officials about the, the Delta variant in the US and its spread. So it, it's hard to see how that doesn't, uh, that won't impact their outlooks for the second half. And and it, it was, yeah, it was just sort of uh, striking that they said that, though, they might be speaking more to a different community that they might be, you know, what am I saying? They might be uh, putting the outlook through uh, rose-colored glasses rather than, you know, the realism that we would hope. But, uh, yeah. It, yeah. I mean, we got to just... remember that they're also, you know, they their primary responsibility is to shareholders on these calls. So it it is, you know, it, it's it's good to be positive. <laughs> It is good to be positive. You would hope with with stocks, you know, last week, airline stocks dipped early in the week right. on Delta variant fears. So you would hope that there would be some realism there, especially I, I think of Scott Kirby, who has you know, touted his, his, his you know, straight talk throughout the crisis of being blunt. Um, but even he didn't have anything negative to say about the Delta variant. I mean, everyone said that they have the ability to be flexible with capacity if demand warrants. But I mean, with the news today, and we're recording this on Tuesday, that the CDC is is going to uh, is going to reinstitute um, mask guidelines in areas where the Delta variant is is prevalent. Um, that could slow the return to of the office, and if people aren't going back to the office, that's going to slow the business travel recovery that airlines are betting on after Labor Day. 
And we all know that, you know, in the U.S., leisure travel falls after Labor Day as people go back to school. So they, they need business travel to start recovering for uh, the current trends to continue. So yeah, a lot of that, question marks. That is, I mean, that's really interesting you said that. And Ned was referring to the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention, CDC, for those of you outside the U.S., um, but the public health authority in the U.S. Um, but, you know, it's interesting as well you, that you mentioned large employers and people not going back to the office. I mean, I live in in San Francisco and um, just this week, in the, the two days, we're recording this on Tuesday, just in the two days of this week so far, several large employers in the area have said they're not planning to, they're changing their plans to recall workers in the autumn to probably early next year. So you're right. I mean, that, that, uh, that, that really has an effect on business travel because you you can't have meetings in your house, right? Like business meetings. Most people choose not to have business meetings in their house or travel across the country or across the world to go to somebody's hang out in somebody's living room. No, for office, sure. Right. For sure. So, I mean, the flip side of that, and I should say is, is several airlines said business travel has actually come back stronger than they anticipated up to this point. You know, Alaska said that they are, you know, they expect to be at 50% of business travel by the end of the summer. Oh. Uh, which was where they previously said that they would be by the end of the year. So it oh. is coming back faster than expected. But it, I feel like if people aren't back in the office, there's going to be a, a natural cap to how much is going to go back. Because like you said, people aren't going to be meeting in someone's living room. It's, uh... <laughs> right. And also the big unknown is trade shows, right? I mean, that's that, and conferences. That's a huge reason why people travel. And many are sort of paring them, them da- themselves down or, or doing these hybrid things through the end of this year. So I don't know. I mean, uh, as you mentioned, Ned, the the summer tra- leisure travel season kind of ends in early September. So I was just on, you know, I was on vacation last week. I, I was on four different flights, all of which were completely full. But that's typical for a summer. It's not really, you know, typical after early September. And if road warriors aren't filling those seats... I I don't know. Like what 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 does that mean for airlines? It's hard to say. Airlines normally flex capacity down somewhat after Labor Day in the U.S. So there's that. I mean, the question is the magnitude of that flex down. Is it going to be greater than than normal, or is it going to be in line with past years? And I think that still remains to be seen. You know, the mm-hmm. fall schedules are out, but of course, as always, you know they they're <laughs> subject to change. And and you know I. Brett Snyder at the Cranky Fly does a weekly rundown, and I there's lots of flex going on in the fall, uh, mostly down. So I think those things are still in, fl- in, uh, in flux for sure. Which but, um, I, I want to give a little shout out to, to Cranky um, for his weekly skeds of our airlines, which I'm told you're supposed to pronounce in the same way as the intro to Days of Our Lives. So it's supposed to rhyme somehow with uh, with days of our lives. So every time I've mentioned skeds of airlines to him, he's like, no, no, it's skeds of airlines. So the weekly soap opera that has been airline network planning during COVID continues. Absolutely. I do enjoy that, though. I'm, I'm waiting for you to hum the uh, days of our lives theme song with you. I think that'd oh, be like sands in the hourglass. I gave up watching that when uh, when people started levitating on the show back in the 90s. So. Uh, there was everyone. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know if you remember. People were possessed on that show all the time, like literally possessed by demons. I'm going to um, cut Madhu <laughs> off right there and say, spare all of you from a recap of Days of Our Lives in the '90s. But, um, <laughs> but yeah. So the I love my right stories. 
You know, the U.S. outlook is good, but Ryanair held their earnings on Monday, mm-hmm. and it was uh, definitely a markedly different story. Yeah. You know, uh, Michael O'Leary, who's never known for beating around the bush, opened uh, opened the call, you know, saying uh, COVID-19 continues to wreak havoc on, on their operations, and Ryanair is the largest European airline. So it's uh, it's clearly, you know, a tale still a, a I want to, don't want to say a tale of two two markets. It's really a tale of multiple markets because you go as far as Australia and you see them pulling capacity way back as cases are suddenly going up again. So and the travel bubble, the, the much vaunted travel bubble between the the Trans Tasman Sea, um, that's collapsed. It's suspended. Yeah. Prime Minister Jacinda Ardern of uh, New Zealand. Um, put it on hold because of an outbreak in Australia. Absolutely. Uh, Speaking of Delta variant fallout. So that's yeah. why it's really hard to see how the U.S. airlines couldn't have feel any impact from Delta variant. Right. You know? And, and so, also, uh, yeah. you know, to, to O'Leary's point, I mean, remember last summer, Europe seemed a little bit ahead of us in terms of its recovery. Like um, the, a lot of European countries have done a better job of containment and, the story, remember, if you remember at the beginning of last summer or this time last year was uh, was Europeans can go on holiday, right? They can go to the beach. Mallorca is open for business. And then that all came collapsing down with another wave. I mean, it, it shut down Absolutely. pretty quick. And I wonder, you know, if O'Leary's seeing this happen in Europe. Are they ahead of us again? You know, is, is there going to is that going to happen here? I, I just don't, no one knows. Right. It's hard to say. He's really, I mean, he was citing the U.S. recovery, saying, you know, when vaccinations get to a certain point in Europe, he expects the same surge in air travel to come back. And, and you know, this is, O'Leary was, was pontificating about how Ryanair will become, you know, the largest airline, you know, even larger than they are with you know, right. 50% growth in the next few years. Uh, but, you know, he really was looking to the U.S., and it, but his comments were, you know, caveated by the vaccination programs in Europe need to continue at the rate they're going and there can't be any unexpected upsets from COVID. Mm-hmm. And so there's are two big caveats as we've seen in the U S the vaccinations have slowed down a lot. And I, you know, I can't speak for Europe, but there's the, you know, I, I think there's, there's holdouts everywhere. So it'll be interesting to see if the vaccination programs can continue across the, you know, how many member 25 member block that is the EU 27, uh, 27, uh, at the paces they're going, uh, right. let alone you know, <laughs> it's, it's fully aside whether COVID comes surging back in, in another form of Delta variant or whatnot. So there's still a lot of uncertainty out there in the market, despite some solid numbers out of the U.S. Uh, in the second quarter. And we're back. This is Edward Russell with Skift and Airline Weekly with uh, my colleague Madhu talking on the Airline Weekly Lounge. You know, one thing that's that's come out through through all this is travel restrictions are not going away. Right. You know, the U.S. has said that they are going to maintain their uh, restrictions on Europeans and U.K. citizens coming in, as well as from other countries. Though those are the two that grab the headlines, and uh, it's it's really putting a crimp on on airlines' plans. JetBlue has scaled back some of their London plans, but it's a uh, travel ship starting away. I mean, Madhu, what are what are you what are you saying? Well, you know, a few week, a couple of weeks ago, I spoke to the president of French B, Marc Roche, uh, as as that carrier was launching its um, its uh, Newark Paris Orly flights, and he said something interesting. Um, so there's, you know, because vaccinated travelers are welcome in France, um, there were, you know, the flights, the bookings he could see were full from Newark to Orly. 
but um, there were very the planes were coming back empty. The first flights were empty coming back from Orly to um, to Newark uh, because vaccinate um, European citizens are are very restricted in coming here. They have to have you know quarantine, etc., and they they have to have reasons for coming to the U.S. besides tourism. So um, the that that's you know it's. Now the Biden administration said it's extending, I believe, Ned, um, the restrictions on on Europe. It's uh, and when I should say when they say extending, I don't think they've ever had a timeline for them to expire. That's right. So it's they're they're just continuing them. They're that's not, uh, yeah, that's right. Yeah. Thanks for the correction. Yeah. Um, we we see it in the Olympics. I mean, we're all watching the Olympics this week. Completely empty stands because of travel restrictions. It's a it's it's easy listening to to the U.S. airline CEOs when they when they do their um, their earnings calls to think that COVID is in the rearview mirror, but I mean I've personally found the Olympics to be a stark reminder that it is not, and that uh, it'll be a long time before international travel comes back to what it was. Absolutely, and we're hearing that in the earnings calls. I mean, thinking about Air Canada, they don't expect much of their long-haul international business to, to be back until at least next summer. That's wow. 2022. And they said Pacific's probably going to be later than that. Really? So it's, uh, you know, the international picture is, is very, very, uh, like you said, stark. It's funny you mentioned French B. I, I myself am heading to Europe in uh, next week. And I've, I've noticed that anecdotally that, you know, my seat map on my flight out of the U.S. is uh, full. And I had, you know, tough finding seats for my family altogether. Whereas the seat map for the flight coming back is uh, wide open. So yeah. now I understand seat maps don't mean number of people on the plane, but it's just an anecdotal uh, you know, example of, of the Euro- the restrictions that are keeping a lot of Europeans out of the U.S. this summer. Yeah. And you know what, what Roche told me, which is interesting, is that the, the inbound flight from Orly may be empty, but it's full of cargo, <laughs> uh, which is uh, which is one way to, to, to keep it, keep the, you know, keep some revenue coming in, even when there are travel restrictions. Absolutely. So I wonder if that's going to be the same with your, your Swiss flights. No, for sure. It's uh, it's funny you mentioned cargo, though, Madhu, because I know how much you love it. United love is, it. is uh, converting their passenger, their cargo-only flights back to passenger flights this oh. fall. So cargo is not going to become a permanent fixture of the United fleet. Uh, this no fall, more Praetors? Is, uh, <laughs> no more Praetors at United, at least. But uh, you know, there's plenty of other airlines that are continuing it. That's really interesting. Actually, mm-hmm. you mentioned that because you know, as as we know, I'm so airlines fell all over themselves to convert uh, passenger aircraft to Praetors by stripping out the seats and and allowing for small packages on uh, on the upper the passenger deck and pallets on the lower deck for their wide bodies. Um, so it's interesting. Uh, it's that United is is converting them back. I believe Iberia also converted some back to passenger. So. Um, the the cargo boom is uh is not i'm not going to say coming to an end but uh, no 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 you shouldn't because air canada WestJet, other airlines are you know investing in in new cargo yeah, actually cargo buying flights, freighters but, right, right for both those right. carriers WestJet and air canada right so yeah interesting but on the topic of restrictions i did want to mention jet blue who uh were reporting tuesday and they just presented their earnings is uh they're not delaying the launch of their long-awaited London flights, which are occurring next week, but they are going to be reducing uh, frequency on a you know to by day of week in September. And hmm. Robin Hayes, their CEO, described he you know he cited the restrictions and he said he's frustrated, but at the same time he's like I have no insight in or you know 
ability to change this. So it's just he's he's dealing with what he can, which is JetBlue is going to fly you know fewer days a week to London, and they're going to manage on a month by month basis until things change. But um, it's it's interesting. You know, <laughs> that's been a long. Um, those of us in the industry have been watching it for a long time, and can't say we're terribly surprised that that they're having to pull back a little bit. Yeah. So it's, refresh uh, my memory, Ned. Um, what what slots did they get at Heathrow? Oh, I couldn't tell you the times. I didn't look at the actual times, but they got a daily. I want to say they've got yeah, they got a one daily Heathrow, one daily Gatway. Okay. So the daily Heathrow is going to launch on August 11th, and the daily Gatwick is going to launch on September 29th, both mm-hmm. from New York. You know, the question, of course, is does Gatwick launch if they continue to have the restrictions in place? That could be pushed back. And then Boston was supposed to launch in next spring, which I at this point could easily still happen. Right. Because a lot can change between now and next spring. And then, of course, spring is the ramp up to summer. So it's uh, it'll be a good time to launch. So it's, uh, yeah, they'll be pulling back just a bit. But like I said, I don't think anyone's terribly surprised given the way the pandemic has progressed. So, you know, as I mentioned, we're recording on Tuesday. Tomorrow, Wednesday, will be Boeing's earnings. And Boeing is, has faced a lot now. Uh, Madhu, you'll be covering that. So why don't you uh, give us an idea of what we should be looking out for? Well, what I'll be listening for is what's going on with the, the MAX program. I mean, <clears throat> obviously, the big unknown is when China will recertify the MAX. There are a lot of MAXs sitting on the ground in, in Washington State that are due to be delivered to Chinese carriers. So that that's one thing. MAX also had some problems with um, uh, some technical problems that the FAA required fixes for some of the undelivered aircraft. So there's that. The 787 program also <laughs> was had some delays because of required fixes on, on um, I believe it was the fuselage of some of the undelivered aircraft. And then, you know, the 777X program, what, what's going on with that? Forever delay. So in other words, Boeing's got a lot on its plate and um, whether it has the resources to get through it remains anyone's guess. And meanwhile... Absolutely. Air- Sorry, I just wanted to cut you off real quickly there. Um, there was a good piece, Bloomberg, yes. uh, Julie Johnson Bloomberg broke a good story yesterday that Boeing has lost a lot of engineers, over yeah. not just during the crisis, but over the past decade, of which many have gone to Amazon and other tech companies. Yeah. So it's, it's funny you mentioned the 777X and all of these sort of engineering fixes that they need to come up with. And it, it just, you know, it's like, can they do that with their, you know, ranks so depleted? And it's, uh, you know, they, they're attracting new talent, of course, but there's something to be said with these aircraft programs that have that institutional knowledge that, when, yeah. Right. I mean, you know, there's like that conventional wisdom since when Boeing um, acquired McDonnell Douglas in the in the 90s, like there was, you know, sort of a joke in the industry at the time that really Boeing bought McDonnell Douglas, but McDonnell Douglas took over Boeing. And Boeing yes, was just, that. you know, an engineer's company, right? It was engineering-led. McDonnell Douglas, toward the end, was sort of accountant-led, if that makes any sense, just to put it really simplistically. And there's, I've heard, you know, we've both heard from from legacy Boeing employees that the McDonnell Douglas um, culture is, has sort of infiltrated Boeing, and there's more focus on the bottom line. Now, it's interesting to think, I mean, you know, Boeing, which was always the forefront of, of technology in, in the U.S. over the past century, has not launched a new aircraft in 20 years. Almost 20 years with the the last one was the 787. Now, I mean, there have been technical, you know, sort of iterations of existing airframes, the seven, the the Max, the 777X, um, the 
dash eight, seven four seven dash eight, but there's no all clean sheet aircraft since since the seven eight seven. And one question: When when did Air France? When did Airbus launch the three fifty? The three fifty came out. Um, let's see, the three fifty came out a few years after the seven eight seven. It was kind of yeah. so. Uh, Airbus isn't. I mean, they're a little over a decade, but they haven't launched a new plane either. No, that's that's well. They okay. So they had the the three eighty, which is dead. They had the the seven the three fifty. Um, you're right. I mean, I guess the some could argue that the Neo was more of a step change than than the Max, um, the various Neos. But uh, but yeah, it's been a while. Um, Boeing did have something in the works, the new mid market airplane which uh, CEO David Calhoun has has canceled and says will not come back. So it it's it'll be I'm curious to hear what cuz I know the analysts will ask Boeing what's coming next. They they right. they want something new. And I think we were talking about this Ned you and I about how um Boeing's in a tough spot because they don't have if they develop an aircraft now it you know it's going to be it'll take about what, five to 10 years for them to design aircraft from scratch and put it into service, get it certified and put it into service. Right. Um, what will propulsion technology look like in 10 years? Right. right. They'll, be, they'll have to design a, a, an airframe for propulsion that exists now or in the next two right. or three years. Right. But will, will, there, will we see more hybrid propulsion or hydrogen or whatever is coming down the pike? I mean, we don't know. And so Boeing... And Airbus, to a degree, are stuck here with like thinking of a step change aircraft, but not having the step change propulsion ready for it yet. So, right. I mean, do you and do you think Boeing can be the leader on that? Is there is there enough technology out there for them to be like, we're going to have this a hybrid plane ready for the market by 2028 or something? Or is Boeing not in a position to do that? At this I point? don't know. I mean, I don't think anyone knows. And and you know, if if these reports that Boeing has seen a brain drain are true. Um, then, uh, you know, it's it's hard. I, I I don't know if they're the conventional wisdom seems to think they don't have the resources. They have engineering resources uh, stretched thin, fixing all the problems they have with their existing airframes. So, right. They, they and um, if Amazon is sucking their talent away from them, I mean, and is is a more attractive place to work, then uh, it could be problematic. Definitely, definitely. Well, Madhu, we'll look forward to your report on that uh, on Wednesday. And of course, uh, all of you can read more on, on airline earnings, uh, JetBlue to London and, and Boeing, everything in uh, on AW Daily on a daily basis. But then there's a lot more in the, the issue that comes out every Monday uh, with Airline Weekly. Uh, we want to say thank you for listening to the Airline Weekly Lounge uh, again today. Uh, you can contact my colleague, Madhu Unikrishnan at mu at skiff.com and you can contact myself uh, Ned Russell at er at skiff.com so thanks again and thank you for joining us this week thank you for joining us for this week's episode of the Airline Weekly Lounge podcast should you have comments or questions drop editor Madhu Unikrishnan a note at mu at skiff.com of course Check out AirlineWeekly.com for a new issue every Monday and updates on the latest airline news throughout the week.